I was on Thanksgiving break and went to Guadalajara to go visit my family. And while I was there, I read American Dirt. This is Miriam Gurba. She's a Chicana writer who was asked by Ms. Magazine to review the book American Dirt by Janine Cummins. And found it to be an incredibly insulting endeavor to have to read a, a, a racist novel while I was visiting my family in Mexico. The novel tells the story of Lidia Quijano. She's a middle-class bookstore owner in Acapulco, Mexico. Lidia's entire family is gunned down during a quinceañera after her husband, a journalist, publishes an article about the head of a local cartel, a man that Lidia was flirting with. So Lidia and her son Luca escape the massacre, and in fear of the cartel, they find themselves taking a dangerous trek north to the United States. I wrote my review, sent it to Ms., and then I received an email. It says something to the effect that Several editors spoke to one another and decided that though my review was, and I recall specifically the word spectacular, that it was far too negative. And after that, it was stated that if I could think of something redeeming to say, I would be paid and the review would be published. And I responded that I don't have anything nice to say about that book, so I'm not changing a word that I wrote. From NPR and Futuro Media, it's Latino USA. I'm Maria Hinojosa. And today, the book that set the Internet on fire, The Outcry Over American Dirt. going to go back to the end of 2019. That's when newsrooms across the country, like ours, received copies of American Dirt. The cover is white with a pattern of bluebirds, which is reminiscent of traditional Mexican talavera tiles. But the birds are surrounded by barbed wire. And in the middle of the cover, there's a blurb by writer Don Winslow that states that this book is, quote, a grapes of wrath for our times. That's why when Ms. Magazine declined to publish Miriam Guruba's essay, she went on to put the review on the blog Tropics of Meta with a title, well, the G-rated Anglo version is Yo, You Ain't Steinbeck, My Frustration with Fake Social Justice Literature. Miriam posted the article in late December on Twitter, a month before the book's release, and it received tepid engagement. On January 21st, American Dirt was published, and then it got the most important literary endorsement that there can be in terms of book sales. We're back with Oprah and the real reason she came to the broadcast this morning. Yes, the real reason. (laughs) Her highly anticipated book club selection only on CBS This Morning. Oprah, drum roll, please. It is American Dirt, American Dirt, American Dirt by Janine Cummins. Yes. I love it. Latina celebrities like Yalitza Paricio and Salma Hayek posted on Instagram holding the book, and suddenly, Miriam's article began to take off. And what followed was a cascade of negative press for American Dirt. Many Latina and Latino writers decried the book in dozens of publications and all over the Internet, including Esmeralda Bermudez of the Los Angeles Times, who called American Dirt Quote, a cheap thrill narconovela with the worst stereotypes, fixations, and inaccuracies about Latinos. And Cummins' identity became central to a conversation around equity within the publishing industry. Four years ago, in a New York Times op-ed, Cummins wrote, quote, I am white. The grandmother I shared with Julie and Robin was Puerto Rican, and their father is half Lebanese. But in every practical way, my family is mostly white. In an afterword to the novel, Janine Cummins writes that she wishes someone, quote, slightly browner than her had written the book. Cummins received a seven-figure deal for American Dirt. It's the kind of deal that is rarely seen in publishing at all, let alone for someone who actually grew up as a migrant or on the border and who writes from that perspective. A 2019 Publishers Weekly study found that Latinos and Latinas comprised only 3% of the publishing industry. 
the controversy around the book has started a conversation around who gets to tell which stories, but also around the publishing industry and who it sees as its primary audience. For this episode, I spoke with four people who are situated at the heart of the controversy. I have a conversation with prominent Latina writer Sandra Cisneros, who up until now had not spoken publicly. I also spoke with longtime writer about the border, Luis Alberto Urrea, about his experience trying to sell his stories about migrants and about his complicated relationship to American Dirt. And finally, we hear from Janine Cummins, the author of American Dirt herself. But first, I continue my conversation with Miriam Gurba. She's a writer and the author of Mean, a true crime memoir. She is the person who wrote the first explosive critique of American Dirt. So, Miriam, you're in Mexico, and that's where you're reading American Dirt. And you say that you felt like it was insulting. Yes, it felt like a slap in the face. Why? It felt insulting that I am in a country with a tremendous cultural history and a tremendous literary history. And I'm reading a book with an introductory letter from a publisher that argues that this author is going to give a face to the faceless. And I'm looking around at my Mexican family And we all have faces, and faces and voices matter in my family. My grandmother was a painter. She painted faces. My grandfather was a writer. He wrote about people. We have a history of representing ourselves just fine. So, like, at what point were you like, wait, who are you, and why are you writing this? In the publisher's letter, uh, it's announced that— Immigration did not enter the national zeitgeist or or, or did not become a matter of concern until 2013. So the minute I read that, I understood that I was likely to be reading something that was going to be cloaked in social justice, but that was likely going to be something schlocky. And then once I turned to the first page, my expectations were fully met. Violence is the main character. It's bullet, 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 bullet at a quinceanera. Everybody's covered in blood and barbecue sauce in a backyard. It's just silly. And I don't know very many Mexicans who use barbecue sauce. One of the specific things that you bring up is when uh, Janine Cummins refers to the boogeyman. Because in Mexico, actually, we don't know what the boogeyman is. We speak about el cucuy. Yeah. You say that this example clarifies everything, that the book was being written for an American audience, that if it was for an audience that included all of us, she might have put cucuy, comma, like the boogeyman or something, but yes, something that acknowledges that she knows about el cucuy. Yes. I found it so, so disappointing that she had not bothered to familiarize herself with Mexican folklore. If you're going to participate in the creation of literature, you ought to be familiar with the literature of that place, and you ought to be familiar with the mythology of that place. And to be so disconnected from the folklore so as not to know el cucuy just seemed egregious to me. What were some of the other things that stood out for you? The main character, Lydia, is being pursued by the capo of a cartel, and he pursues her um, and woos her with gifts, and he's supposed to be this incredibly suave, sophisticated Latin lover type, but he brings her conchas. In in case there's somebody who doesn't know what a concha is, a concha is like, you know, the most common form of Mexican pastry bread. So it's like the most common form. Like imagine this super wealthy American man who's Mr. Cool and suave and sophisticated, and he's trying to sweep a woman off her feet with a glazed donut. It's silly. It's like, what? For a glazed donut? Like, it's just, it's, it's odd. 
<laughs> and then the, the main character, Lydia, goes through her husband's folders and his files. And Lydia's husband is a journalist whose beat is narco trafficking. And so Lydia has to go through this quote unquote sort of primitive search for information to determine who he is. But we have Google in Mexico. She could have just Googled it. Like these plot moves are happening in these incredibly quote unquote primitive ways that again, harkened back to that trope of Mexico as an undeveloped, uncivilized sort of savage place. You um, used a term in your essay. You said uh-huh. American dirt is like trauma porn that wears uh-huh. a social justice fig leaf. <laughs> yes. So what do you mean by that? And, and, and by mean, the way, there are people, I, I have heard some people say it's so important to give a, a sense of depth of character to people who are, for example, you know, fighting against, you know, the narcos or et cetera. Uh, it, it's important to bring them a sense of humanity. But the book doesn't humanize anybody. There are no human characters. This is a book filled with paper dolls. They're one-dimensional. They're brown paper dolls that the author is playing with. They're in this weird version of pretend Mexico. Um, So I I agree that, like, I would love to see characters with depth and treatment of this with depth, but this is not that book. There's this notion that this is a novel that is about this particular dynamic, but that really— that it's a thriller novel. It's a romance thriller. It's absolutely is a romance that, thriller. That's what it is. Would it have made anything better for you if it would have been like, hey, here's this romance thriller about the border um, written from a kind of American gaze? Yes. I mean, if you, because that would uh, be divesting from the cynicism of promoting it as if it's a novel of political protest when it's actually a romance thriller. And I think I'd have much more respect for Cummins if she owned who she is and what she's writing. Miriam, thank you so much for joining me on Latino USA. Thank you. Coming up on Latino USA, we hear from celebrated Latina writer Sandra Cisneros about why she thinks American Dirt is a necessary book for our times. Stay with us. No te vayas. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp, a truly affordable online counseling service. Fill out a questionnaire online and get matched with a licensed counselor best suited to your mental health needs. Whether it's depression, anxiety, or trauma, BetterHelp will help you overcome what stands in the way of your happiness. Learn more at BetterHelp.com and get 10% off your first month with promo code LATINO. BetterHelp. Get help anytime, anywhere. We're back. The novel American Dirt was blurbed by many writers, including Stephen King, Julia Alvarez, and Sandra Cisneros. Sandra wrote, quote, This book is not simply the great American novel. It's the great novel of Las Americas. It's worth mentioning that authors aren't paid to write these blurbs. But because Sandra is a high-profile Latina writer, she in particular has drawn a lot of criticism for endorsing the novel. Author and illustrator Gris Muñoz called Sandra and the other Latina writers who've shown support for the book the new Vendida crew. Vendida means sellout. So, yes, 
it's gotten pretty vicious. Sandra agreed to speak with me in response to the outrage. She joins us from her home in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. Sandra Cisneros, welcome back to Latino USA. Thanks for having me. Thanks. First question is, how did you come across the book American Dirt? How does it actually end up in your lap? Um, some people mentioned it to me. My agent in an advanced reviewer's copy came to me, and um, many advanced review copies come to me. I do over 30 blurbs a year, more than I maybe 28 more than I should. But, you know, they come to me and, uh, you know, I had said I would retire and not do any more blurbs, but we're living in such a state of crisis, I feel the least I can do is uh, promote books that are addressing issues that are important to me. But uh, it's something that's related to the border and something that is related to an issue that I'm currently working on through my own project, through a Ford Fellowship, and through my own interviews. This book resonated with me because many of the sources were places I had gone to to investigate myself. And what is it for you as an author of such renown that you put such importance in blurbing a book? And do you blurb most books that you get from Latino Latina writers because you want to just support them? No, I try to blurb issues that I think need importance, and writers of color who need the support of another writer to open the path the same way that writers open the door for me. And when these books come to me that I know, okay, here's Shakira Diaz writing her story about living in the streets of Miami. Here's uh, Jasmine Drain writing about the Black projects in Chicago and his book. You know, these are books that I think come to me and then I'm obliged to uh, open the door for them. Did you know Janine Cummins before you got American Dirt? No, I, you know, nothing. I did not know her at all. I just know the stories, you know, reading this book. I said, okay, it had great resonance for me. And I, I knew the amount of work that it took to weave this from testimonio and to make it into a novel that moves from the first page. You know, it has to, a novel is different from a piece of journalism, a piece of nonfiction. It's different from a script. You know, it has its own engine and it's got a roar from page one. And it did that for me. I didn't read it because I wanted to. I opened it and didn't know what I was stepping into. And I said, let's see what this is about. And it just took me on the journey. It was very believable. And I know from talking to people who have crossed the border or who have been detained or who are in the shelters, I knew this story. And I said, okay, she has transformed it into a thriller novel. And, you know, people are reading books like, you know, uh, spy novels and other trash that you see at the airport. I thought, great. Now we're going to engage someone who won't come to a book written by Sandra Cisneros or by Reina Grande. She's going to reach a different kind of audience. And we're all together side by side working to raise consciousness about this issue. So I wanted to support it. I do support it and I do stand by it. So that's interesting, Sandra. You believe that because it was Janine Cummings who was writing this book, American Dirt. No, I didn't believe because it was Janine Cummings. I believed because it was an engaging story. Right. But you said that this author was going to be able to get to a different audience. Yes, absolutely. Who is that different audience, in your view, that needed to that be That audience is, is going to be someone who's going to be a little suspicious of a, of a Latino surname. It's, going to, it's not going to be my fans. It's going to be someone who maybe is undecided about issues at the border. It's going to be someone who wants to be entertained, and the story is going to enter like a Trojan horse and change minds. And it's going to change the minds that perhaps I can't change. That People are upset for uh, true reasons. They're upset for true reasons, but their target is not the writer of this book. Sandra, what about people who say that they agree with you that these are people and issues that need to be humanized, but that they take issue with the way in which Janine Cummins writes about these issues and these people, and that in fact ends up, they say, being harmful? because it's perpetuating a kind of, they say, the worst kind of stereotypical images of Mexicans trying to get to the United States. 
All right. I don't understand the, the, the stereotypical complaint. So can you explain it to me? Because I don't didn't see that when I read the book. Uh, I think that um, there are enough voices alongside Janine's that are writing and working on projects on the border. I wanted to get a lot of attention and I wanted to get publicity, good or bad, because it, then it's going to create dialogue. And that's important to me. And so when you hear this term trauma porn, I mean... It, oh, I, 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 I think that that's exagerado. I really do. Yeah. In the book, when um, the character, the central character, the widow, um, in one moment when the major narco head honcho, he's trying to be romantic with her, he arrives with a box of conchas. What do you say to that very specific kind of critique? You know, I don't even remember that section of the book. That's how important it was to me. I don't even remember that. It's only if, like, you're really spilling hairs and looking to attack a book, you can do that with House on Mango Street if you want to. And uh, it made me it made me want to read Miriam's book and um, to talk with her and understand her because I think that there's some rage that has nothing to do with this book. And she's coming from some place of a sincere sense of injusticia. And, uh, you know, I've been there. I know what that is. But I think that uh, the author's getting a lot of crap for stuff she's not responsible for. If you don't like the story, okay, that's what she wrote and that's her story and that's how she researched it. But then I would invite people who don't like it, please write your own. We all, we can't write everyone's story. I can't write everyone's story. So I want other writers to be alongside me, whether their name's Shakira Diaz or Janine Cummings. I want them alongside me because I can't tell everyone's story. And if you're upset that that isn't the story that you would write, write your story and invest your time in listening to others. There's nothing more humble than shutting up and listening to another person and being changed by what they have to say. Sandra, just finally, um, what would you say to your critics out there who are saying, oh my gosh, I'm so disappointed. I know that you are all about wanting to listen and hear. So what is your message to them? My message would be, read this book with an open heart. If you don't like it, put it down and think very deeply and do some introspection about why you don't like it and what it is where it has caused you upset. And then I would recommend you write poetry because there's nothing like poetry to go deeper than your conscious mind about what you're really upset about. But those people might say, Sandra, that they love that you want to do that, but they'll say, I am that brown writer with the Spanish surname and I didn't get a seven-figure book deal and I feel like I want to tell this story and I could work for seven years and do this. But because of my surname, the publishing industry itself won't give me that chance. That may be true. That may be true. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm an optimist, though, at heart, Maria. So I always believe that the whole reason why I created Maconda Writers Workshop was that we could create those books that take seven years that are going to be critiqued by each other and are going to be the very best work that we can be. So I, I'm an optimist, though. I'm always going to believe that there's a possibility. Sandra Cisneros, thank you for all of your work and for speaking with me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Maria. Thank you for making the time to listen to me. A few days after Oprah's endorsement of American Dirt, author David J. Schmidt published a critique on HuffPost stating that the best parts of the novel were, quote, cribbed from Latino writers. One of the writers Schmidt cites is Luis Alberto Urrea. Luis Alberto Urrea is a Mexican-American author who has written extensively about border life, including nonfiction books, The Devil's Highway, and By the Lake of Sleeping Children. I spoke with him from his home in Naperville, Illinois. Thank you, Luis Alberto Urea, for agreeing to speak with me about American Dirt. I appreciate it. Of course, Maria. So when did you first hear about American Dirt? <laughs> Interestingly, I never heard about it. Nobody approached me for a blurb or anything like that. And then one day, a copy of the ARC with a note from Janine showed up. What is the ARC? 
the uh, advanced reader's copy, you know, the the galleys that they send out for review and, and blurbs and they send to booksellers and so forth. It's like the advanced version of the book. And it came and there was a little note from Janine and thanking me. And I thought, oh, that's cool. So, Luis, I just want to make sure we get very specific. So I'm going to ask you this specific question, okay? Yeah. There is this Huffington Post article written by David J. Schmidt. And yeah. the article's largest accusation is that there is a scene, a specific scene in American Dirt, where a young boy is crushed by a garbage truck. Right. And David Schmidt is saying it it appears just too similar and therefore lifted potentially from your book, The Lake of Sleeping Children. Um, right. So can you tell us about what you witnessed in terms of the garbage truck or was that something that you heard from someone else and your own kind of research process? And Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't research. It was lived. Tell me. And what does it mean when you see something that you lived and then someone says, we're seeing it in this book? Yeah. Um, I felt sick at heart honestly i mean my my response you know uh, schmidt and gorba both were talking to me about this what did i think what was my and i said i buried that child so you know there's no theoretical thing about it i didn't read about it <laughs> I didn't lift it from anywhere. I didn't get the image of the little body crushed into the soft garbage soil, which is in my book, because that's what happened. These were boys that I knew. And this is the the Dompe that she writes about. It's been gone forever. That's the danger of, you know, researching old books, I guess. But these are all people that I've been with since the 80s, since the 70s. So you have a relationship with Janine, you you know of her? No, no, it came out of the blue. I'd never heard of her. I had no idea about the book at all. And I put it aside because I'm really busy doing all kinds of other stuff. And you know, me wife, uh, Cindy, picked it up and she's like, oh, this is interesting and started reading it with some enthusiasm, like everybody does at the first couple of pages. And then she started getting very agitated and we started talking about it as I would you know what what's the problem and she basically said there's a lot of material in this that seems awfully familiar <laughs> your your wife said that to you <laughs> yeah and then she got really angry the deeper she went so she kept on reading even though she had like, oh, wait a second, there's something here that looks like Luis Alberto Urea, my husband's writing. I'm I'm going to keep going here. Well, I thought, no, 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 I don't, no, uh, no. You know, I went into denial because I, I, you know me, me with my Jesus complex, I want everybody to love everybody. <laughs> so, so when your wife was saying to you, Luis, look, there's, there's this here, it sounds too familiar. Yeah. You were saying, no, it's, no, there are a lot of stories like this, right? There are a lot of stories like well, this. Um, I, I, I think you'll understand this. I thought, you know, I don't want to read this. I don't want to read this book. Mm. Because if what she's feeling is true, ¿qué voy a hacer? I don't know. I, you know, a literary scandal is definitely not something I want. And I thought, well, you know, I'm seeing that Sandra loved it. I'm seeing that, you know, Reina thumbs up and Julia. I thought, huh, and Don Winslow. But the more we talked about it, the more I thought the details seemed really odd and really off. And yeah, there are things that seemed very much inspired by some of my books. And then, you know, I get a name check in the book. And I thought, oh, that's really weird. Everybody in our genre, if you want to call it that, knows how difficult this journey has been, how hard it is to represent in our own voices, our experiences, and how to get New York to understand or take us seriously. 
you know, I've had a, a real battle my whole career. And I think you know, because we've talked a lot of times, but you know, my first book, which seems to have inspired things in this novel, was rejected for 10 straight years. Maria, come on. They would not publish it. And there are two things germane to my response to all that's happening right now. One was when I first started sending that book, and it was about the Tijuana garbage dumps, unaccompanied minors, you know, los pepenadores, orfanatorios, prisons, people who were suffering at the border. And it came out in 1993, but they wouldn't publish it. And I, I first started submitting it in 1983, okay? And two things New York said to me, which I've never forgotten. One, nobody cares about starving Mexicans. That was a rejection from a New York publisher. And my response was, I know you don't care. That's why I wrote the book. But the other one, which stung and will show you how Mexicano I really am, because it was going out under the name Luis Urrea, right? An editor from New York in the rejection told me no American reader is going to read a book by somebody with a name as strange as yours. And they said, you know, you should think about changing your first name to the anglicized, like B. Lewis, Lewis, or another name entirely. And I got all Tijuana and I thought, oh yeah, no les gusta. I'm going to add my middle name, cabrones. And I became Luis Alberto Urrea. And I was like, how do you like that? And you know what? They didn't like it. So let me ask you about that before we get into some other issues. Yeah. Let me ask you about the issue of the name of the author on the book. So how does the fact that she's not Janine Alvarez or Janine Gomez or Janine no, Peña? You, no, no. That's not, that's not the issue at all, I don't think. I mean... You know, how many people have written brilliantly about Mexico or the border with Anglo names? And I don't think that's the issue at all, nor is it the issue that people are angry that she's made a fortune off of it. I think the part of the issue is that, you know, it is, I hate to say it, it's a minstrel show. It's the absolutely wrong, mishandled, absurd, cartoonish lack of knowledge about us, about our culture, about the frontera. That was writer Luis Alberto Urrea. Coming up on Latino USA, we hear from the author of American Dirt, Janine Cummins. Stay with us. No te vayas. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, host of How I Built This from NPR. And on our latest episode, how Jimmy Whale started an online encyclopedia as a side project and watched it grow into one of the biggest sites on the Internet, Wikipedia. Listen now. We're back. Part of why American Dirt has gotten so much attention is that the book had a multi-million dollar marketing plan. And a couple of images surrounding promotion for the book also fanned the flames. There was a dinner party in honor of the book, and that was decorated with flower centerpieces surrounded by barbed wire. Author Janine Cummins also reposted a fan picture of a manicure that featured the barbed wire, which is also on her book jacket. The pictures have since been taken down, but critics mockingly called these marketing ploys border chic. All episode, we've been hearing from writers 
about the novel, which sparked a huge debate online about Latinx literature and the role of authors and publishing houses. But now we're going to hear from the author of the book herself, Janine Cummins. Hey, Janine. So how are you doing? (laughs) Well, I don't think it's any secret that, uh, you know, it's been a challenging week for me out there in the press. I'm feeling disappointed with the tenor of the conversation. It's not where I hoped to be. I think I am beginning to understand it and get my footing. So what do you think is missing from the conversation that's happening now regarding American Dirt? Well, so the surprising thing that probably shouldn't have been surprising was that this became very much more a dialogue about the inequities in the publishing industry rather than a story about the book itself. I think there is a tremendous amount of earned frustration among communities of color when it comes to the publishing industry. And, you know, it's not just a very white industry. It's also a tremendously affluent white industry. So I worked at Penguin Books for 10 years. And while most of my colleagues didn't rely on their paychecks to pay the rent, I had to bartend at the weekends because there was no way to earn a living on that paycheck. So Janine, you actually just brought up the issue of money. And I think that's part of the issue. Yeah. You know, so she's not an immigrant. She's not uh, Mexican. Mm -hmm. She's she's being paid a pretty exorbitant amount of money to tell a story that that Latino authors and writers and journalists have been telling for 30 years, more, you know, more than 30 years. Yes. Um, Can you talk about the money and and how that plays into it? Because you just said, you know, the world of publishing is for the affluent and you're now part of that, part of that affluent group. I didn't get paid that seven figure advance to then take that money and go out and write the book. I made multiple research trips. I spent time in Mexico and in the borderlands along La Frontera, both north and south of the border. Um, When the book was finished, I turned it in to my agent, who then brought it to the publishing industry, and there was a bidding war, much to my surprise. I wanted to help be a bridge you know, for better or for worse, or maybe for better and for worse, this was the book that I wrote. So tell me what was your research process that made you say like, no, I got, I got this. I I can do this. Yeah. I'm not sure I ever got to that point where I said, I got this, I can do this. My research, you know, I started off the way writers usually start off, which was with reading. I just read everything I could find. I watched everything I could find. I resisted writing from a migrant's point of view for a very long time. Um, In those early drafts, I had characters who were living like the two daughters were United States citizens and the mother had been deported away from them. I had a half Latino woman who was living near the border and her interactions with migrants. But I, I really, every time I wrote from those points of view, it felt very much like trying to force a round peg into a square hole. Like I was, you know, playing it safe that I was examining the story through an inappropriate lens of this moment. You know, I was a, I was afraid of being um, called to account for myself. Like, who do you think you are to write this book? But you say that you were afraid of that happening, but you kept on doing it. Well, a thing happened in my, in my life. My father died the week before the 2016 presidential election. He died very suddenly. We was out to dinner with my mom and some friends, and he just died at the table. I'm very and sorry. Had, I'm sorry to hear that, Janine. I'm sorry. Thank you. What happened when my dad died was that 
it gave me this sort of painful new perspective on what I really cared about and what I didn't care about. I stopped writing completely for about four months. I couldn't even read. And then one day, I just dragged my laptop into bed with me and I wrote the opening scene to American Dirt. And I threw out the 75,000 word draft I had been working on before that. And having been sort of steeping in this research by that stage for three and a half years, the whole book came tumbling out of me in about 10 months without much thought. Why did you not decide to write from your point mm -hmm. of view as somebody who was doing research? Like, for example, even Valeria Luiselli, who writes about the child migrant experience, but as a woman who was kind of witnessing it in, in the courts. Did you think about that? I did. I mean, I think those were the characters I was trying to write for those first three years. And they weren't compelling. Like, I didn't... Who? I mean, who cares what I have to say, actually? <laughs> but it was not like you were thinking... This is the Latino Latina book. Oh my God, no. About the Latino Latina experience. No, I mean, absolutely not. I want to be really, really clear about that. I mean, this is a novel. It's, it, I, I, it is not the novel um, in any way. Do you feel like the publishing industry, the house, et cetera, was setting, setting up the book and you, how much did you have to do with the setup of the book, right? Of the arrival of the book? Well, I mean, the writer has very little to do with the publication under the book and is often unaware of things that are going out. There were some things I was aware of that I, in retrospect, recognized as problematic. Like what, for example? Oh, I don't want to... <laughs> It feels like shooting myself in the foot. I know there was a I know there was a dust up over the flowers at the launch party in at Book Expo last year. Um, there was a flower arrangement that was in poor taste, and um, it and it's insane that I did not recognize it at the time. Um, what happened was the publisher sent the book jacket to the caterer who gave it to the florist who created this floral arrangement for the for the launch party dinner um and it had barbed wire around the vase uh because it was made to look like the book jacket and that was obviously in poor taste but i have to tell you i did not know until last night at an event when someone brought this up to me that on social media, when people saw that, they they said, this is the border wall. Um, I mean, maybe I should have seen that symbolism 18 months ago and I'm really slow. I didn't see it. It looked to me like the book jacket. But in in either... But that... So, Janine, I'm going to stop you right there because that might be the perfect example for like, wait, what? What do you mean? How did I not know? Well, because... Yeah. yeah. Because well, the thing is, is that anybody who's been crossing that border like consistently, yeah. you know, it's like barbed wire represents that immediate... It, it does represent, and it's not a wall, obviously. Yes. But I had been staring at my book jacket for months. And now here it was as a flower arrangement. But you did decide to get that on your a manicure. You did make that no, decision. No, those no? Were, no, I did not. Those were not my nails. What happened there? That's not my picture. It's not. I, I reposted it again. I wish I hadn't done that. It was a mistake. Someone from Australia sent me that photograph and said, look, I love this book so much. Look what I did. I'm mortified. Now, in some ways, like if I put on this other hat, I'm like, hmm, Janine actually knew uh, she did find a story that is compelling. But Janine understood what the publishing world wanted. Oh. And Janine understood that they wanted this kind of gripping thriller page turner. I mean, even your critics have said that you write good thriller material, but that that material is then for an audience who has never really experienced 
you know, talk to a migrant, ask them. And so then it begins to feel like really voyeuristic. And in the worst case, kind of like, let me take advantage of this moment, this situation that nobody's talking about, but I know I can do it. I know publishing. I know how they talk. And I'm going to write a book um, that is going to really satisfy that. Well, I I mean, I will say two things in, res- in response to that. And the first is that no one becomes a writer to make money. No one's going to write a book about migrants thinking, this is my cash cow. I'm going to strike it rich with a book about migrants. That certainly was not my intention. The other thing I will say is this. When I write about trauma and grief, I am writing from my own lived experiences. And I am also aware that I never want to exploit anyone's trauma. Um, We spoke to Luis Alberto Urea, Mm. and there is a passage in his book, Lake of Sleeping Children, um, in which a boy is crushed by a garbage truck. And there is a, a, a similar scene in your book. So did you read Lake of Sleeping Children? Um, and it may have been that you saw that, you remember that. In the worst case, you know, there is already an article in the Huffington Post that said that you basically stole this idea. Oh, I did read that book. Um, I read everything by Urea when I was researching. I don't think I, I don't think I put it together. That's very distressing to hear. Um... We did send this book to Luis Alberto Urrea, you know, early in the galley form. Um, he's someone I have admired. He sent me what was uh, one of my favorite all-time tweets over the summer. He said to me, we are the cavalry riding into the sun, carrying water. And then he reached out again and told me that he was very pleased to have seen himself in the pages. I understand, I have not seen, I haven't read um, specifically the thing you're referring to. I also am aware that Urea has weighed in on this and not in my favor on this book, I mean, which was you know, very disappointing for me to hear because he he is someone I I admired, admire very much. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's confusing to me. I mean, not, I shouldn't say, the whole thing is confusing to me. In your author's note, which by the way, I'm still trying to kind of grapple with the author's note because I'm like, if you hadn't written the author's note, there might be a whole other conversation happening because in the author's note is where you kind of, you're like, look, I really grappled and should I have written this? And somebody browner should have written this, which is a kind of weird way to say it, honestly, Janine. And I bet you're probably like, oh God, like not a great choice of words. No, not great. (laughs) But then you say, um, you write about Latino, Latina migrants that quote, at worst, we perceive them as an invading mob of resource draining criminals and at best a sort of helpless, impoverished faceless brown mask clamoring for help at our doorstep, um, unquote. So who is the we in this statement? The national dialogue of Los Estados Unidos. Like white America, middle America, white, black, brown. Well, yes, middle America. The the way that we engage in telling these stories and, and, you know, we, we, It's tricky, you know. I do feel like the national dialogue in this country has been really hijacked by those two sort of dueling narratives for a long time. And, you know, certainly if we leave the storytelling to the politicians, that is entirely true, that there are these dueling narratives and you're either red or you're blue on this issue. But in fact, you know, when you really talk to people, there's a whole lot of purple bleeding across that line where people do care, you know, but they aren't, they don't care enough, you know, and they're not necessarily people who are seeking out stories like this. Do you think that you will write about migrants again 
Do you worry? Nope. <laughs> no. That's a hard no. I, um, no, I, I don't mean to be flip. I, I'll be honest with you. At this moment in my life, I can't imagine writing another book again. I have already sold my book, my next book, and I need to write it, but I can't, I can't see beyond this moment right now. Janine Cummins, thank you so much for joining me on Latino USA. Thank you. It's been a little less than two weeks since American Dirt came out, and the conversation that is swirling around this book is continuing to evolve. Oprah has now announced that she'll be hosting a discussion about the book to hear different opinions, but that she's not dropping it from her book club. Some of the Latina celebrities who endorsed the book by posting it on their Instagram, including Salma Hayek, have rescinded their endorsement. Online, some Latinos and Latinas are using the hashtag MyLatinoNovel and are writing satirical passages from fake Latinx books and filling them with tired tropes. Others, using the hashtag Dignidad Literaria, are asking for activism and a response from the publishing industry. The book's publishing company, Flatiron Books, put out a statement saying that they stand by the work and are, quote, carefully listening to the conversation around the novel. But on January 29th, they abruptly canceled the remainder of the author's promotional tour, citing safety concerns. This episode was produced by Antonia Cerejido and edited by Sofia Palizacá. The Latino USA team includes Miguel Macias, Fernanda Camarena, Janice Yamoka, and Alisa Escarce, with help from Joanda Luna. Our engineers are Stephanie LeBeau and Julia Caruso. Additional engineering this week by Leah Shaw. Our production manager is Natalia Fidelholz. Our digital editor is Amanda Alcantara. Our interns are Julia Inés Esparza and Julia Rocha. And a special shout out to the entire Latino USA team for turning around this episode so quickly. Muchas, muchas gracias. Our theme music was composed by Zeña Rubinos. If you like the music you heard on this episode, stop by latinousa.org and check out our weekly Spotify playlist. I'm your host and executive producer, Maria Hinojosa. Join us again on our next episode. And in the meantime, look for us on all of your social media. Hasta la próxima. Ciao. Funding for Latino USA's coverage of A Culture of Health is made possible in part by a grant from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Latino USA is made possible in part by the Heising Simons Foundation. Unlocking knowledge, opportunity, and possibilities. More at hsfoundation.org. And the Ford Foundation, working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Next time on Latino USA, we get the latest from Puerto Rico, where protests against corruption and devastation from recent earthquakes are shaking the island. That's next time on Latino USA.